The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show, we are back. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I'm Rob. He's Ryan. As of this recording, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one, one point behind the Boston Bruins in the standings for the division. But what about games in hand? I, I, what about games in hand, Rob? What about games in hand? I take it that you you don't care much for the games in hand argument. Oh no! It's just that's what that's what anybody's gonna throw on your face if you if you say that. So I mean, games in hand, games not in hand. All I know is this team still is picking up points right now. I know what happens when you pick up points. You move up in the standings. You keep pace with the top team. I think it was last episode you asked me if, if this team is gonna win a division, and I said no, it's over. But I don't know, man. They just they keep pulling it out and pulling it out, and more hope is coming. And, and I just think that it's maybe maybe it's not over. Maybe they have a shot to do this thing. At Who this, knows? At this point in time, they are one point behind the current division leading Boston Bruins. Yeah. It's pretty damn impressive. You just got to keep getting points, man. I mean, I don't care if, if people say that they play their best hockey in November, December. Please keep playing your best hockey right now because this is how you're going to... Well, I want to... I'm really glad you went there. I want to talk about, like, I said either it was with Dean this past week or it was our last, our episode last weekend. I was like, you know what? In my opinion, this is the best this core has ever played. In this era of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, whatever you want to call it, the Kyle Dubas era, the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era, this is the best this team has ever played. This is the best they've ever looked. You could make a case that they... Daryl Sutter said it before the Calgary game. This is the best team in hockey right now. There's going to come a moment, whether it's it's later in December, whether it's in January, whether it's in February, where they kind of go into a lull and they don't look good. Are we going to freak out when that happens? It depends. I mean, yeah. Probably depends how bad it is, though. Like, like if they if they go back to like sort of the classic thing that they've been criticized for, like, oh, they they look disinterested. That's the thing that we always go after them for when they're in their slumps. Is they they like efforts. The effort is terrible. But having seen what we've seen through the month of November and into early December, are we idiots? Like, if they have another lull, and we or some other show comes on here and is like, this is the effort is awful. The effort is so disappointing. Are we stupid? Like, should we just, like, should we just, it's, it's one thing to come on and criticize and go, you know what? That wasn't a great game, but are we done with the sky is falling conversation? That's what I want to know. I mean, I, th I think during this wind streak, I feel like during past, years Maple Leaf win streaks like this or point streaks, there was an element of, of I don't want to say luck, but there was always somebody pointing at something being like, this isn't real. This is, 
this is happening and this is how like they're just a lucky team right now. You can't win games in the playoffs playing like this. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference between this winning streak and, and prior winning streaks in years past. It's just nobody's questioning anything about what they're doing right now winning all these hockey games. Like they're playing exactly the way they need to play to to be successful. Like they're 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 playing their best hockey like you said. I think that's the biggest difference and I think with that it's it just can you see them in two months having a stretch of games where the effort falls off? Yes. Because, I mean, in the Calgary game, if they lose that game, I would have just chalked that up to, you know what, they were due. The goaltenders were playing out of their mind. Matt Murray was due to have a game like that. Couple couple goals that I didn't love. But you know what, that, that that's what happens when you play the position for so many games. Eventually that was going to happen. But, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just think that they've really kind of turned a corner in the sense where they look like, adult men out there opposed to a bunch of little guys running around trying to make the nicest pass and trying to score nine goals in, in a hockey game and taking risks and pinching. It's just, it seems like everything's just kind of, everything's maturing almost. That's the perfect word. Yeah. I mean, but there's a mature, more mature hockey team. It looks like right now, but again, I get what you're saying. They go on a losing streak and then we start crying and our, our numbers start going up yeah, again. Yes. Our numbers I mean, skyrocket yeah. when that happens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Leafs, uh, Leafs stinking is great. Any Leaf content creator out there, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, but I just, I, I don't know. I th I think after what happened at the start of the season, I'm going to try and keep a level head of, uh, like, if anything bad happens. At some point, this is coming to an end. Like, they're going to go on a, a stretch that we don't love, but I'm going to learn my lesson from the start of the season when I was just losing my mind and and just try to keep it on the rails a little bit mentally and not freak out. Do you buy, we hear this a lot in pro sports about like peaking, peaking at the right time, peaking at the wrong time. And there was a great discussion on the radio this week about, about John Cooper. Like they, they were, they were comparing John Cooper to Sheldon Keefe and like Sheldon Keefe goes into Dallas and it's just his, his uh, pregame uh, uh, media conference He's just like pumping the Dallas Stars tires. He's just like the Dallas Stars, like this is an elite hockey team. They got and, and like he's he's still in the the part of his coaching career where he's he's watching intense film. Whereas like John Cooper, when they ask him to comment on the Leafs, like he says a couple nice things about them, but he's like, you, you can tell his attitude is like it's November. Like I like. I'm not worried about our team I think right John now. John Cooper's kind of gone out of his way to like gas the Leafs up. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but point is like, this is a very long-winded way of getting to my point about peaking. Like, do we think? Do you buy into that? They're peaking at the right time. They're not peaking in December. At the wrong time. Like, do you? Like, are they going to? Are they going to have a stretch where they don't look good and you're going to be like, oh, they peaked at the, at the wrong time? No, and, and do no. you buy into the narrative that, like, you have to um, pace yourself? It's a long no. season. Like, playing this, like, ultra-disciplined style that they're playing right now is, is, is amazing, and we're all stoked to be watching it, but they're doing it at the wrong time. No, I don't believe that. I think we all know, like, it doesn't matter what happens in the season. Like, we all know what happens at the end. They're going to be in an elimination game, sudden death elimination game in the playoffs. So all this stuff that happens between now and then is just a way for us to feel better about their chances in that situation. Like the fact that the effort's gone up. The fact that I'm seeing William Nylander bust his ass 
to get back to his own zone. Like to me, that is something I watch and I, and I go and I make a note of it and I go, that's the stuff you need in April to, to win a round. I, I don't care about peaking in the regular season. This team could peak a thousand times or they could just completely level out. This team is going to make the playoffs and they're going to end up in the exact same situation that they've always been in. And it's just about seeing all these things to make a make a case that if they do this, 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 and this in April, then they can win a playoff series. I don't care about peaking. I'm glad. Uh, I'm Cares glad. about peaking. That's, that's, that's such like an NFL, like American sports conversation but peaking at the right time. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you brought up William Nylander because, you know, I'm watching the Calgary game and we've been on here for weeks praising this team about like all like the difference and uh the, how much better they look defensively and how they're so much more disciplined and they they won't they'll beat you 2-1 as opposed to 6-5 or whatever. But I'm watching the Calgary game and I sent you a text about this. I was like, if you really wanted to drill down like the main key differences between previous years and this year for me it's William Nylander he he's elite he's an elite scoring winger who is a threat every single time he's on the ice and he you've talked about it for weeks about how he looks like he's put on 15 pounds yeah. and like he's, he's, he, like, he's he had to he had to this guy went full spaz in the offseason I don't know what happened to him if just all this losing eventually got to him or if somebody in his camp was like, all right, buddy, like it's time, it's time to like this is you're this good. And you're like, it's almost like he's he was like the perfect example of like wasting talent, you know? And then like it's just he comes back and he's just he it's like they moved a piece to get a better piece. It's like they traded William Nylander for a new William Nylander. You know what, Ryan? Like, I and, and, and you're seeing how it's affecting their team and their success. You and I try. One of the things that, that we do on this pod is we try and look at everything from like all all sides and all opinions. And we'll come on here and we'll criticize. We'll, we'll poke fun at the at the stats nerds. We'll we'll poke fun at at your uncle who hates William Nylander. But I think this is a key lesson watching him that these guys are just kids. And and like it takes it takes sometimes you don't time. have the patience. Yeah, yeah, but it takes time to grow. And it's like he something just unlocked in his brain, and he was like, "I'm one of the best guys in this league. I'm I'm an elite. I'm a zone entry machine." He he had his wrist shot is arguably just as good as Austin Matthews' yes, wrist shot. Yes, like it's he's that dangerous. And I think in previous and it it takes time to develop the the maturity and the discipline to understand that. And I think, you know, we we put a lot of pressure on these guys and rightly so. They're paid a lot of money, so it's really really hard to like tell yourself, "Oh, he's just a kid when he's when he's making uh 6.9 yeah, There's a lot of expectations on a guy who's 21 years old exactly. who shows promise. Exactly. And it's like And now he's now when he's 26. When you were 21, you were an idiot. Oh, and so useless. was I. The most useless human being yeah. when I was 21 years. And so was I. So it's like these guys, it's, it's sort of like a coming of age with William Nylander. That's really what I see with him. And there's like two different cases for that. It's like there, there's the Nylander, Marner. Like I feel like you could lump all those guys in there. It's like when they come in, they're so good that 
they're they're only going to get better with exactly what you just said. And then, but you could also apply that to the to I think is the perfect example for this in Timothy Lilligren. Like that is the perfect example of a player who came in and had some and wasn't on that level and but showed something. And it's and it's how many times have media or me and you made a joke about him over the past couple seasons being like, where is he? What is he doing? And then it was kind of a waste of a first round pick. And it's just like, sometimes these dudes who are like a tier below that experience that even more where it's like, no, this guy just needed to play and grow up and mature and get some NHL time. Yeah, It also takes defensemen a really, yeah, exactly. And and that kind of can go for any team, any sport. It's, it's, like Nick Robertson, even though he's done, but like he's another example of that. It's like I, I've said the guy's brutal. I never see him making the NHL, but then you look at Timothy Lilligren, you're like, maybe, maybe if a guy just has some time to to marinate and get a little bit better, then he could turn into a player. You yeah. know? Yeah. But I, I Nylander is just I, I've roasted this guy like at the hottest degree you could roast somebody. But man, did this guy just go full spaz in the offseason? Like he's just—he looks unbelievable. Like he—he's—he's he's unbelievable out there. He's, in my opinion, he's the biggest difference uh, in the team. Like he's just—that guy's wrist shot is so good. He's taken it's them. He's taken his game and he's taken sickening. them to another level. And the consistency with which he's playing with it just like he's—he's he's an elite goal scorer who's on who's on like you—you you have two elite wingers. And Nylander at times didn't always wasn't always as dominant as he is as he is now. And it just man, they are they are a, they're a Nylander, defensive nightmare. When William Nylander like, had a had if a, you're the opponent. If if Nylander had a chance to score in the past, you could always count on him to bury it, but he never like carried shifts. No. You know, like there's it's it seems like every time he's out there, he's carrying the shift and he's the he's it's like the camera's just focused on him the entire time because he's around it 24-7. It never it didn't used to be like that. I, I again I talk about I've talked a lot about confidence and oh, that, this, guy, that guy's confidence it's, is it's, through the roof. Yes. Through the roof. Um you mentioned Nick Robertson. Two things on this. Out six to eight weeks. That hit was just a bigger man yes. hitting a smaller man. Yes, and we've talked a lot about Nick Robertson being a little guy. And I've said that like he's really really small and like he looks really small. And now and he, it's like you can say it was dirty. There was a part of it I guess that was that was a bit dirty, but yeah, it, th- that was a big man bullying a little man. Yeah. And now he's out again. And this guy like like this guy has been injury after injury after injury after injury. He gets in the lineup. He's playing on the second line with with two of their core guys, and boom, injured six to eight weeks. And now we talked a lot. We talked we talked about it in the last few weeks. We talked about it with Dean on Wednesday. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna try and add a piece for the playoff run, to me, it's got to be a forward. Now, I think I think like. I don't think we're not waiting for Callie Yarncroft to get back. I just, I just think it's got to be a forward. Like I, I hate to go down this road again and beat this into the ground, but it's like, who, who are you getting? That's better than what you already have defensively. Like the only, the type of guy you're going to get. And again, you can make the argument that like, Hey, having all this defensive depth, having Jordy Ben, having um, Victor Mete, 
having these guys in the Marlies who they keep calling up, Mac Hallwell, like like they, like it's 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 great to have. So I understand that argument, but for me, it's like you're not going to get anyone that's better. That you're not going to get a serious upgrade on defense. Whereas if you can go get a guy who can push Alex Kerfoot even further down hey, the depth if, chart. If, hey, man, if you listen to, to a couple broadcasts from different sports networks, they, they're, they're praising that line. Being like, look at this third line come out here and apply the pressure. Yeah, no, but, and but, but, listen, sure. You just want another Al- scoring thread. Alex Kerfoot is perfect on the third line. That's what he is. And when he's cast correctly as a third line centerman or winger or wherever, he's great. He's not the answer. And and even though I thought he was he was okay against Calgary, I thought he had a pretty good game. I don't think Dennis Malgan is the answer either. No. So I I think yes, I want another scoring threat in the top six. Yeah, that's, but that's what I basically want. what you're getting at. Yes. And a preferably a guy who's not five foot nine. Yes. Who that's, gets that, that that's the that's the story there. That was uncomfortable. That was watching him get destroyed. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. Which I mean, it kind of makes me wonder though. Like, you, like when Marner is never in a position like that. Like, I'm sure if Nick Robertson and Mitch Marner stand beside each other, there's not a huge difference. It's just, I mean, I give Robertson credit for putting himself in areas to to even get hit like that because a lot of guys just won't even get in those. There's a reason why Phil Kessel's played a thousand games in a row because he doesn't go in those areas. You know, like so I respect him for that. But I mean, it's just. I, it's just like he's got this kid's got to figure out when he comes back. He needs to figure out what his game is. It's just like as as much as you're small and you want to prove yourself, like it, maybe it, it's not possible for him to go and play a style that people want him to play. Like maybe he has to find a way to almost I, like you don't want to stay on the perimeter, but you got to like be careful of what areas you go to on the ice like, against giant human beings because that's what can happen. Like he just he got hit so hard that his. His shoulder separated. Like, his shoulder was done. He got launched. I don't think it was even like that. It just looked dirty because he's so small. Yeah. Like, it's just like, no, he got, he got rocked. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He he got rocked. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was was tough to watch. What about uh, Pierre Engvall smoking Sean Dursey in the back of the head? Sean Dursey's got 200 friends and family members in the stands that night and he gets a chop in the back of the head by Pierre Engvall and then they lose four nothing. Yeah, that was that was a that was domination yes, in that, that game. That was domination. Yeah, the Kings were out of their league. Former Leafs, like there's a lot of former, uh, a lot of former Leafs running around for the LA Kings. Yes, yes. So it's that time of the week. Then it is time to check on the pulse of Leafs Nation. Rave reviews from last week's episode of The Pulse. This week, we've turned to another loyal Talking Buds listener. Another day one Talking Buds listener. They get the priority. Yes, yes. The day ones will get the priority. And as yeah. I've mentioned a couple times, if you'd like to be on The Pulse, comment in our YouTube comments, hit us up on Instagram, and we'll get you on. But right now, we're going to turn it over to, as I said, day one Talking Buds listener. Mr. Eric Starcevic. And let me let me say one thing about Eric Starcevic. This guy, I've never seen a minor hockey player mirror Scott Stevens style hits more than this guy. Okay, there you this go. This guy would rock people. Yeah. 
rock people. Like, just the hardest hitter in minor hockey history, Eric Starzevic. Listen, that's high praise with a Scott Stevens comparison. But without further ado, let's turn it over to this week's episode of The Pulse and Mr. Eric Starzevic. First off, just want to say thanks to Rob and Ryan for allowing me to come on this show and uh, talking about the listener and big Toronto Police fan. First off, I guess the uh, the hot topic for this week is um, some personal accomplishments. I think that's going to happen. Um, you know, hot take for this year. I think that the Leafs are going to get by the first round. I think that. Mitchie Marner is going to get over 100 points. Um, I think also in the first round, the, the the guys who were, you know, somewhat invisible a couple of years prior are going to step up. The biggest thing I've seen different from this season compared to last, Ryan, you said it a couple pods ago, is the defense. The defensive game that these guys have now is completely different. It's there's no There's no more running around with their heads cut off. They know that when they get into the defensive zone, that they have a plan, they have a play, they have a, a position they need to be in to be able to catch a guy, intercept a puck, tie a guy up along the boards, um, you know, get guys clear the net so the goalies can see it. Like the, the way that they're playing defensive hockey is completely different from previous seasons we've ever watched. Another hot take I have, um, for the end of the season is I think that the Leafs will will end the season with 58 wins, um, be, beating their record last year for all-time points in the season. And I think they're going to go into the first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning and go to Game 7 and finally get that monkey off the back. So, hope you guys like my hot take, and uh, go Leafs, go. Tarp off. Yeah, tarp off. Tarp off. <laughs> that guy's drinking some sort of bush or <laughs> or PBR or something. I don't I don't know what he's drinking these days, but uh. when you got the tarp off, he's got the kids at home. He's got the kid at home too. So I know he got home from work, tarp off, beer open. And he just and he, he got just his little text down, yep. About the pulse, and he went, All right, he here we go. Laid down some hot takes for us. First hot take from Mr. Starcevic the Leafs will get by the first round, and Mitch Marner will have over 100 points. You want to you go? You want to take this one first? I think that's pretty. Sp- I mean, the first round would, I feel like that's when we're going to get a lot yeah. on, the, on this. Uh, the Mitch Marner 100 points thing, absolutely. Like, I think, I honestly, I've just been waiting for him to consistently, like, I think he's good enough. I mean, McDavid's out of his mind, but like, I think he's Marner's good enough to be in a top five and scoring and be somewhat close to that. Like, I'm actually surprised he he doesn't get as as many more points than he does already. Like, I, I always saw him as a player who could get 120 points a season. It's just injuries and I, I don't know. He, he does play a lot of penalty kills, so it's just. I mean, I I would love for him to be over 100, 110 points every single season. And right now on this streak, it's it's looking like it's possible. But at the end of the day, what matters is is the first part of his hot take there that they will get by the first round. I saw um something on Instagram the other day about how uh McDavid and Drysaitel both like combined have have a, over 100 points already. And it's like yeah, Connor McDavid. And it's like yeah, but the Oilers stink, so who cares? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah who yeah. cares? Yeah, like, like honestly, <laughs> you're not wrong. Second hot take 
from Mr. Sarsovic. The Leafs will end the season with 58 wins and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games. We have talked uh, a lot about um, a potential first-round rematch with the Tampa Bay Lightning, although being only a point behind the Bruins, uh, a division win and a wild card. Can I give you a hot take on this? I don't want them to win the division. Really? I think it's really good. I think it's better for this team's psyche to play Tampa again. And I think it's something that they will get up for and be like, we are ta- We are not having this happen to this team again. We are taking them down. I, what happened in, in the, the, the pandemic year? They won the division. They played the Montreal Canadiens. Who they and it smoked all they year. Smoked and, all year, yeah. and it was just like, oh well, it's the Habs. They're gonna they're gonna run over the Habs, and then they go up three one, and it's like it's over. This is over, and they just collapse. And I just, I think this team, when they get into the postseason, will need every psychological, I don't want to say advantage, but every they're gonna need all the motivation they could possibly get. And even though they'll probably um, finish ahead of the Lightning and have home ice, everyone going into that, no one is, people may pick the Leafs to win, but no one is going in there and be like, oh, the Leafs are going to run the Lightning over. No, like, that's I'm not sorry, happening. the Leafs are underdogs exactly, immediately. Exactly. So I just think they need every competitive advantage or motivational tactic. Sheldon Keefe can get his hands And for on. all those crazy Leaf fans who still talk about the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup, I think, I mean, you see it every year. The team that beats the Leafs in the first round always go on a run. So, I mean, the Leafs finally slay the Dragon. I think that might be the best opportunity I, for them to go on a I, run as well. Honestly, I think if they can get through the first round, I think it's going to unlock. I could see them going to the conference final. Because I think it'll unlock a level of of confidence that they that, like just getting that monkey off your back oh, is dude. so huge. Is there a bigger monkey on any franchise's back in no. all of pro sports? No team in the history of of pro sports has lost five straight elimination games. Like it's just it's un- I, I don't think there's another franchise that is this snake bitten well you're we watching the world cup yesterday and and, and what happened to england and it's like, oh well yeah i mean that's pretty predictable the too. trifecta the trifecta of sports playoff pain english soccer yeah toronto maple leafs dallas cowboys you can throw the bills in there too yeah, I yeah guess, you can throw, yes i mean there's a lot of loser franchises but man this team that th- this is the biggest weight on any group's back in all of pro sports, I think. I don't think there's another group in all four top leagues that have more pressure or or just have to just unleash this weight on their back than this hockey team. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean... And that's why... That's what I said at the... Uh, off the top, I was like, you know what? They're going to have an, a spell in Jan, Feb, where they don't look very good and, like... I'm not going to spaz. No, we're not going to spaz because at the cry. end of the day... All that, and again, we're talking about William Nylander's been fantastic. Mitch Marner potentially getting 100 points. Austin Matthews being the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf to ever lace up skates. The goalies both being fantastic. None of it matters. None of it. If you don't, and that's why there's a lot of people clamoring to be like, look at this team 
look how they've looked. They're the most dominant team in hockey right now. Resign Kyle Dubas now? No. Yeah, I don't think I because again, I think that's a distraction. Yes. That's a distraction. You know what Kyle Dubas doesn't want for his hockey team? A distraction. And he doesn't want himself to be a distraction. That's stupid. That you know what that every fan who says that needs to reevaluate their thinking. Any distraction for this hockey team is awful. Well, the guys just focus on playing this way every single night. And that's all you need to worry about. Let's not talk about somebody's contract. Let's not talk about the general manager, the coach, the president. Let's just focus this season on winning hockey games and winning around. Screw everything else. And and if they take care of business, Kyle Dubas will cuz again, the guys who are saying that on on Twitter and stuff are the guys who are like the Dubas like fanboys, right? It's distra- it's and dumb. they're all like they're and can I can I tell you a narrative I've also had enough of? Like stop it. Oh. Who's to say at the end of the year Kyle Dubas doesn't just give him one of these and head out the door for making him sit like making him a lame duck GM? What's he going to do? He's going to go be the GM of the Nashville Predators? Yeah. Guy's yeah, got yeah. the highest profile GM job Rob, in the sometimes. league and it's not close. And these 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 like these dorks on social media are like, "Well, you know, he could just leave, you know. He could he's probably upset and he could just leave." It's like he's not going anywhere. The guy has the highest profile job in the league and it's not even close. Yeah. And he's well compensated. Beyond belief, we don't know what Kyle Dubas' salary is. They don't need to disclose that information, but I'm pretty sure MLSE takes very good care of him and his family. So, can we stop? Yes, he's gonna. His feelings are so hurt that he's gonna leave and walk out the door and become the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, give me a break. I think just like, I mean, every, we, we're trying to do two shows a week now. So when we come here, we try to think of things to talk about. And when I hear people say that, it's just like, they just, this is stuff. This just this content they're bringing up yes. to have something to like, that's stupid. It is stupid. I like just, whoever I, thought of that was so bored. Yes. And, 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 and it's whoever so thought, out of ideas. Whoever thought of that looked at their YouTube numbers yeah, and they're yeah. in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Because like, this team is good. Yeah, that that guy is so bored yes. that, like, I actually understand why guys like Skip Bayless in the U.S. like take a side and stay on it, whether it's right or wrong, because they just always have it to like fall back on. Yes. Like that, hearing somebody make that comment, it's just like this this person is bored, and that that makes no sense. And you just totally slash through that theory in about thirty seconds. Oh yeah, like the the it's it it is honestly it's. You doing this, obviously we're on a way smaller scale, but I agree with you. Like doing this, like you understand why guys like develop a shtick like that. Like Baker Mayfield goes out there and has a really nice win for the Rams over the Raiders in a nothing football game between two nothing teams that aren't going to the playoffs. And we have this huge argument on Friday about Baker Mayfield being the savior because they just have such strong opinions about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. No, it's, it's, I, I totally understand that with, with respect to Dubas, 1,000%. But, yeah, I just I, – I chuckle every time I see, like, you know, they're just letting him stand by, and he's going to leave because 
he they're not taking good care of him. It's like guy is not going and no one wants to win a first round series in this on this earth worse than Kyle Dubas. Yeah. No one. You can see it on his face yes. every time it pans up to the press box. Yes. No one. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to be the the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the highest profile NHL franchise in the world. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's a good note to end this episode on. I agree. Two episodes a week now. What do you guys think about it? It might be. I mean, we're just trying to push out. I'm, I want you to see our faces more, yes. whether you like it or not. Yes. Our that, that is our goal. We want to see these big, luscious. Yeah. Mine's brutal yeah, right yeah. now. Well, yeah. So is mine. And I threw a hat on. Like, it just. Yeah, no, no good. I got to so, cut my hair, too. Good episode, though. We did an episode a couple weeks ago where you and I watched it back after, and we were like, Terrible. oh, my God, this Terrible. is awful. Well, that that was one of, like, we do the, we do the late shows. Yeah. That was a late show. Yes. You know what happens during a late show? I'm half in the bag. I got no ideas. Sleepy time. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. Oh, thanks very much for checking us out, everybody. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We will see you guys. Oh, The Pulse. Once again, if you want to be a member of The Pulse, you want to do a little video for us, we would absolutely love that. Hit us up in the YouTube comments. Hit us up in our Instagram. And we'd love to have you on. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, listeners. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.